Hi, this is Alexander Nübel and you're listening to Shark America. Blau und Weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalker Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalker Podcast worldwide. This is Schalke America and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the most passionate fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, join me on this show, co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Sunday once again. That makes it three in a row. Three in a row. We haven't done that. We didn't do that all last year, I don't think. I think I'm looking at this right now. I, was, I wanted to confirm that because I was going to say that as well. I don't think we ever strung together three wins. Sad but true. But hey, these are good moments now, and uh, I'm happy. I mean, uh, we only won back to back games twice last season, and we never did three in a row. So there you go. Already wow. just five games in, accomplishing that. That's love to see that. Yeah, yeah, and Harit's almost got the highest goal scores from last year. He's got three goals in, <laughs> what, four games and or five games, and uh, I think our top goal scorer last year was seven. So uh, he's going to be, I think, a leading goal scorer unless he uh, dries up. But another win, Jack, 2-1 against Mainz this time. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but we got the job done, got the three points at the, at the death. Absolutely, that's the important thing. Uh, <laughs> we left it a little bit late. And, I mean, you could argue that maybe Mainz deserves something from that match, particularly the way they played in the second half, but we found a way to grind it out. And uh, that's what we need to see from the team this year. I mean, I think part of the problem last year is that a lot of the games um, that under the first year under Tedesco, uh, you know, if we were losing late, we'd find a way to get a goal and get a draw. And if we were drawing late, we'd find a, goal, a way to get a goal and get a win and just kind of shift the result, you know, that in that direction. And uh, this is a perfect example of that where, Things kind of fell apart for us. We were drawing late on, and then you know somebody comes up with a moment of magic, and we're able to you know pull a win out uh, out of the bag. So that's uh, that's the kind of resilience and uh, the kind of attitude that we need to see from the team to kind of keep fighting and and, and do everything possible to to keep moving up the table. Yeah, and this one was a Friday night. It was a very unusual one for us. Um, and one of the things we had going for us in the game is they kept repeating how Shaka were winless in their Friday night encounters. They kept repeating, and I just got happier and happier as I said that because I'm like, you're jinxing yourselves right now. And uh, sure enough, Shaka get the victory, and it it led to me having a very good weekend uh, to lead off the weekend with a win. How about your weekend? We know how you feel about all those historical trends. You love when they when they talk right. about those. <laughs> I do, I do. In fact, uh, it gets me excited sometimes when it's against us, and I don't like it. But um, I do love me my stats. Uh, so, uh, did you have a good weekend overall, though, outside of Shaka? I had an excellent weekend. I had I attended a uh, Oktoberfest party in the suburbs yesterday, which I'm sure was just an abomination in the sight of anybody who's you know actually actually <laughs> German. But it was uh, it was good fun. I, I brought some Velton's Pilsner. To the I party. saw the pictures. Yeah, had to re- lovely. Yeah, had to represent Schalke with that one. So, yeah, I, I, I had a great weekend, and uh, that result on Friday was the perfect way to kick it off. How about you? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that, that kicked off my weekend in style, and you know, uh, pretty much just hung out with friends and stuff, and, and drank some uh, some beer myself. Not not Veltons, but I had some beer. So uh, overall, it was a great weekend, and like I said, it, it started out in grand fashion with that win against Mainz. Um, let's get right into this one, and really, I want to do things a little differently than, than normal. Usually, we go, you know, uh, we progress through the game and pick up notes as they, as they happen throughout the game, but I'm going to talk about the good, the bad, and then maybe some other tidbits here and there. Does that work for you, Jack? That does. All right, well, let's, let's, let's start off with the lineups at least, right? Let's go with the, with the visitors. Uh, Mainz, um, and this one, the goaltender was Zentner in the back line that had Brozinski. Uh, love that last name there. Um, they also had St. Eustace, <laughs> Niakate, and Martin. Uh, in the midfield, you had Fernandez, Malong, Latza, and Boetius. Um, very good player, especially against us, it seems like. And then also Adam Salai, a former Shaka player with Kwaison up top. Um, and then um, no one really there on the – I mean, I, there's a couple names up there that you know could have – 
could track your attention, but a name we saw a little bit later in the game, Anisi Wu, someone who tormented us last year, uh, came back to bite us again this year. Yeah, that was probably the only person that was not starting in this one that would have been kind of like a obvious choice. Yeah, to pick. yeah, I think so. That was that was probably the one name where I was like, I was expecting to see him in the starting lineup, but wasn't. But beyond that, probably for the most part, what you'd expect from Mainz. And I mean, to be honest, just not not a ton that you're overly concerned about when you see that, except for Shalai, because you know he always has a chip on his shoulder when he plays against us. Yeah, scored against us, I think, um, for Hoffenheim last season, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you're correct. In the five two. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering. Do you think managers when they do you think they look at the trends of players against teams like Onisi? In this case, he scored a brace against us in match day 23 last year. Do you think they look at the past against certain teams and see, oh, this guy likes to score against this team? I'm gonna put him in this game. Do you think they do that, or just no factor whatsoever? I don't know. That's a good question. We'd have to ask some people. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure former. I'm sure former players like Salai who. You know, wants to revenge on his, pl- on his former team. Probably, you know, probably he's a good person to put in there every now and then because you know they want to. But I'm just curious. Yeah, maybe you know, if that. you have a specific situation where you know a player is going to have extra motivation that you that you put him in then. But beyond that, I'm I'm sure it's probably just you know you're feeding the hot hand and who's in form right now, and you're hoping they can continue that regardless of who the opponent is. Well, we look over to our side, our squad. Um, in in goal, Alexander Nubel. A back line has not changed. It's a uh, McKinney, Stambouli, Sane, no Chipka. Uh, in the midfield, you had a mix of Kalajiri, Mikani, Mascarell, Serdar, and Harit, all led by Bergstaller. Um, let's go real quick on the bench. You had Nastasic, Shof, Ut, Schubert, Miranda, Matondo, Kabak, Katuchu, and Merkan. Uh, on the lineup, again, it hasn't been, it, I guess, it's comforting that it's been the same lineup pretty much throughout. So the team has had a chance to get chemistry, I guess, on, on the pitch. Um, Obviously, we're okay with that because the results have lately have been very good. What was your initial reaction once the lineup was announced? Do I even really need to say it at this point? No, I mean the obvious is we know what the obvious is, but yeah, free, um, free Katuchu, uh once again. Bergstaller in the lineup, and I don't think he's played poorly the last two matches, Paderborn and and now Mainz, but still yet to score on the season, still offside more than he needs to be, you know, all those kind of things. And, and regardless of, even if he is playing well, I think bottom line, just Katuchu off brings more to the table at this point. Uh, I, I like this lineup, though. I think um, I released a lineup on Twitter. It might have been after, like, week one maybe I did this. I forgot when it was. Uh, but kind of using the system that, I guess it's sort of a nominal four-two-three-one, even though it kind of shifts in yeah. phases of the game. Um, using that structure, I, I put a lineup out on Twitter, and I think the only difference between this one that we saw against Mainz and my lineup was that I had Katuchu starting, and then I also had um, Stambouli in place of Mascarella, sort of like the deeper six, um, probably sliding the Stasic in side along Sane. Um, but yeah, I think I think McKenny Serdar, Harit is is probably the midfield that we want um, for the most part. I've be- I'm becoming yeah. less convinced of Daniel Caligiuri uh, just because I think he continues to be fairly average, pretty anonymous, which is very much unlike him. So uh, at this point, I- I'd be willing to make a change there, although it wasn't after the first couple games. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's 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 very similar to what we've seen the last couple weeks, and uh, that's good because these guys are, you know, they continue to get comfortable with each other and continue to build chemistry and... Uh, I think it's nice to have some consistency because we, we so early into into last season, you know, Tedesco was kind of trying to do something similar to what I think uh, David Wagner is doing right now. But after the bad start, he just abandoned it, and then after that, was kind of scrambling to try to find the right yeah. the right combination of players and the right system, everything for the rest of the season. It just it was total chaos. So it's nice to see Wagner executing something and, and continuing to continuously going back to it. Uh, you know, it, it lets us know what to expect a little bit week to week, and, and clearly, it's it's working for the players at the moment as well. And the players are executing at the moment as well, which is big as for for the team. Um, there's two noticeable. I mean, though this lineup has been the standard lineup for the most part, uh, there's two little tweaks in this one. I thought that I want to talk about one. I'll talk about a little bit later in the good, uh, but I'll talk about McKinney right now. He kind of played like a second striker for a good part of the of the first half, at least, uh, putting pressure on. He was. I mean, obviously, he's used as the pressure man. Uh, when when the opposition has the ball, but uh, for a lot of part of the game, at least to me, it seemed like he was that second striker, or or even the or even the striker at times. Yeah, he was pushing up very high, very early in this match. 
Um, and he would, he would track back as well and do some good work once the ball got into our half of the field. But um, yeah. a lot of times when we were without the ball and the ball was in the, the opponent half, we were kind of playing what looked to be like a 4-2-2-2 shape sort of with McKinney, like literally playing right alongside Brochteller up top. So, uh, I mean, just the, the positional musical chairs with him continues. Uh, I mean, last week he was subbed in at right wing or right mid for Kawajuri and then like actually stayed in that position. And then here he's, yeah. he's playing that high. It's, 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 it's difficult because you kind of understand from one, one perspective, like why you would want that in the sense that he's so good in the air and when he's up there, he can challenge for that a little bit more. And he also has the ability to, to, to do good things in the attack. And so you kind of want him in a more advanced position. But at the same time, I just I can't help but feel as though, you know, moving him back into more of like a holding midfield role and then having, you know, Katucci or anybody else play that, you know, would work better. I think you can maximize the talents of the entire squad by, you know, picking a different selection of players. But, yeah, that was definitely an interesting wrinkle. I don't think we've seen that so far this season. Yeah, and uh, McKinney for his whatever sixty minutes or whatever he played, uh, he was playing. Re- he was all over the pitch, really, especially on the offensive end. And he kind of just wore himself out. And, I mean, I, I understand why they make the substitution at the end of the game. He had a uh, already had a yellow in his pocket, so. Uh, but he had, a, I think, I had a, a good game. He was much more noticeable than he had been uh, previously. He seems to be getting stronger. But again, like you said, he's all over the pitch with different positions. So that's there's a little disheartening because it could be a, a setback in his development. Really, he definitely faded a little bit in the second half uh, and looks pretty tired as well. I don't know if he's not 100% fit or whatever right now. But I thought the first half he was fantastic. There was actually some mixed opinions on him in, in Twitter. I saw a number of Schalke supporters that were not pleased with how he was playing uh, in the first half. I disagree personally. I thought he was involved in Me a too. lot and was yeah. incredibly hardworking and industrials and, and, and maybe maybe a little bit out of control at times, but um, was working his ass off. And, I mean, you need somebody in your squad to do that and to track stuff down and to just to be all over the place. And he was involved in a lot of different phases of play. So, uh, once again, I mean, I, I would prefer not to have him playing as, like, a second striker, maybe, like, a center attacking mid, like, whatever he was doing. Uh, <laughs> I would prefer him deeper, but I, I think he made the – I mean, he did about as well as you'd expect him to do given that he's playing sort of an unorthodox position. Oh, yeah, 100%. So – uh, that's a that's a little bit on McKinney. And I, I, before we get into the good, because obviously we won the game, so I want to end this on a good. So we'll start with the bad in this one. Um, uh, well, someone who was a bad for the beginning part of the season um, was Daniel Caligiri. He played better in this one. Um, it wasn't it wasn't to our standards, to his standards uh, by by any means. Uh, he did switch flanks a couple times during the game with Harit, and I understand why they did that because it gives Harit more more opportunity, more freedom to do whatever he wants because he was just killing the team, killing minds both both anywhere on the pitch. So, um, but Caligiri again very anonymous in this one. You don't hear his name much unless it was in free kick situations or, or dead ball situations. Um, kind of to what you just said in the in the opener. It's it's hard to keep backing him. We we love him. We we love the stuff he did last year. We know what he can do, but just for some reason, it's with the Wagner system. He's just not clicking just yet. I don't know if it's just a rough start, had a long summer. I don't know, but it's not looking good at the moment. I've been wrong so far. We we've talked about this multiple times, but you know I was excited about the signing of John Joe Kenny because I thought that having a you know an actual right back. Um, and allowing Caligari to focus on his duties further up the pitch would benefit him tremendously because we're so used to having so many of our chances come through him. Uh, and I think some of it's because so many of our chances have had the fingerprints of Harid all over them, and that's just his credit. But as you said, he's, he's just been far more anonymous than you would expect for a player who's usually so vital to a lot of the good things we do on the offensive end. So, uh, and early into the season, I don't know, I don't know so much about this one. I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch this. And this, the game happened on a Friday afternoon when I was still at the office. I only kind of half watched it to begin with, but, um, so many times early in the season, he's just playing bad passes and making giveaway. It just very uncalogary like on the ball a lot. He just kind of looks like a different player so far this season. Hasn't really gotten into gear and looks a little bit out of place. So, I don't know. Uh, maybe we want to swap him out, give him a break. Um, or maybe we just kind of keep grinding with him and hopes he turns the corner. But definitely hasn't been what we expected so far. 
Yeah, no, I know he hasn't really. Um, so to a player, now we're going to go to a player now who really for me was more of a good in the game, but he did have a bad moment. And I'm talking about Suat Serdar. Uh, in the 56th minute, his decision-making on a play where him and Harit were, you know, they forced a turnover. Uh, Serdar sprints it towards the box. He's got Harit to his right, a wide-open McKinney to his left. Um, and... He does nothing but turn the ball over. It gets caught in caught in the middle of three passes or three options, and and just turns it over. Um, you know, the, everyone everyone who's watching, at least that, that I saw on Twitter, was you know McKinney was wide open for a one timer there. He should have passed there. Another option would have been Harit if he did a little bit earlier, or even take a shot. He did neither. It seems like I guess he went for Harit pass a little too late, but um, it's a very for a very good game he had. That was a very poor decision in that moment of the game. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I think McKenney was the obvious option there just because he was close to kind of the center of the box and had plenty of space to receive that and get a shot off. I think that probably would have been the highest percentage option. Um, but as you said, he had Harit early into that play and then late as well and ultimately kind of tried to find him at the end and didn't quite complete the uh, the pass there. So it's kind of a wasted opportunity. But um, yeah, you know, I, I like Serdar. I think he really came on the end of last season. I think he has uh, one of the better offensive minds in the team um, and can is definitely a worthwhile inclusion and can make some things happen. And he had a, he had a pretty good game overall, obviously scoring the first goal, which I'm sure we'll get to in a bit. Uh, the one thing I will say is I thought in the first half in particular, uh, he was pretty selfish. And Schalke as a team were selfish, actually. I got the sense that early into this one, I thought we were kind of dominating things. And I got the sense the team was feeling as if they were still in the midst of that 5-1 over Paderborn and like everyone was yeah. just trying to get into the mix and get on the score sheet and <laughs> add one late. But you know, the fact of the matter was it was 0-0. Zero, zero. It wasn't 5-1 anymore. And even if the game kind of felt similar to that with the kind of chances that were be- being created, like, you know, you, you have to try to get the high percentage shot and then get on the board at least, you know, before you can start, you know, taking more speculative shots from distance and I thought a lot of people were not looking for the final pass and were being a little bit selfish and Serdar included but luckily we uh got that sorted out and ended up getting one on the board yeah absolutely um and you know before we get into that goal uh, a couple more more bads I want to talk about Alexander Nubel I thought he looked a little nervous in the game had a couple uh, yips if you will in, in the 19th minute there was a pass, pass, I think, that Sané made back to him, and he kind of like stumbled on, uh, fell down, and leads to a corner kick. Didn't lead to anything after that, but he looked very nervous throughout the game. Um, he read another, misread another free kick later in the game, I think around the 67th, 70th minute, uh, where he actually just was like, looked like no man's land, and uh, Salai almost scored a goal there. Luckily, he went past everybody. Uh, and then, but luckily at the end of the game, he started getting strong the last 20 minutes, but throughout the game, he looked very nervous, making, missing passes. Um, not connecting with anything. It looked, looked very unnoble like uh, what, what would you attribute his... I mean, the rest of the team was looking pretty good up until, you know, throughout the game. It was just him in particular for some whatever reason. It just looked very nervous to me. I don't know if you saw the same thing. I agree. I, I think the the one word that you would associate with Nubel, regardless of how he's actually playing in terms of whether or not he makes a mistake at some point, but um, is, is confidence. And he's a guy that, like, even if he, for some reason he makes a mistake, like he, he doesn't look like he's going to. He looks confident at all times and seems to shake things off pretty quickly. And yeah. yeah, he was just he was out of it in this one. I don't know what was going on with him, but he was making a lot of strange, small mistakes. Just seemed shaken for some reason. This is not an opponent that you think he would be particularly shaken against. Uh, I don't know what was going on with him in this one, but luckily uh, nothing happened that really cost us too much. And he certainly was not at fault for the goal that was ultimately scored by Mainz. Um, Correct. <laughs> so I mean, he'll he'll have he'll have better days. I'm not really worried about it. It was actually kind of funny. I'm I'm part of a like a group chat on Twitter that primarily focuses on the Bundesliga, and there was somebody asking about the rumors that he might go to Dortmund, um, and it's a it's somebody that kind of has an interest in that, and so like is Newell always this bad like is this what he looks like normally because it was the first time he was really watching him that closely it's like, like, yes yes always. <laughs> yeah well that's what i should have said right yeah no but i was like no this is not this is not a characteristic performance for him so uh, yeah he'll he'll be better i'm sure next week and going forward there was just a, a strange blip on the radar hopefully <laughs> yeah you, you should have totally bit that saying like yeah yeah he sucks man. yeah he's terrible yeah, you don't yeah. want him don't yeah don't worry about it yeah get vita filler again you know whatever <laughs> um another bad for me and it's more 
I mean, I don't know if this was the intention with Wagner, but I thought his second game or second half adjustments or game plan uh, to sit back. It looked like Schalke was sitting back, allowing minds, you know, allowing them to get confidence, ultimately allowing them to get back in the game. I thought, you know, Schalke did, you know, very well in the first half to apply pressure, and it was like all it seemed. It seemed like all Schalke. I mean, numbers told you otherwise, but it, if you're watching visually, it looked like Schalke had majority of the play in the first half. And all of a sudden, the second half looked like they're dropping back, and Mainz are just getting into the game, gaining confidence, which ultimately led to a goal. Uh, so that's a little bit of a bad for me. I don't know if you saw the, you, you thought the same thing with Wagner that the game plan kind of shifted uh, going into the second half. Yeah, I'd like to think that wasn't an intentional directive from him to take the foot off the gas, but I, I agree. I think the first half our pressing was phenomenal. Um, There's a number of specific occasions I remember where we pressed in numbers and, and closed somebody out and forced them to kick it out of bounds or get a turnover, and we were really um suffocating them in, in a lot of ways that helped us get a lot of possession and get a lot of chances in the, in the final third. Uh, I, I did think that we were very wasteful, as I kind of mentioned earlier, some selfish around the final third of that we should have maybe had more than just the one goal in the first half um, despite that dominance and it, it was funny I, as I said you know this was happening on Friday so I was still at the office in, in Chicago um, as this game was going on and one of my coworkers asked me at halftime he was like you know what, what, you know, what were your thoughts on the first half and what I told him was uh, I thought we were wasteful and we absolutely need an insurance goal early in the second half otherwise Mainz is probably going to score something um, and find a way to get back into it because I doubt we're going to be able to keep that intensity up. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what happened. Nostradamus. Yeah, I mean, Nostradamus. like, it, not that it requires that. I mean, it's, it's kind of a predictable game script from Schalke. We've seen this so many times from them over the years. Uh, but that, that's, yeah, I mean, it's it's what you said. It, we kind of we kind of lost a little bit of that energy that we had in terms of what we were doing on the defensive end, and they, we allowed them to get a foothold into the game, and then it, it was really only a matter of time until they made us pay for it, and that's what they did. Yeah, and uh, they really, they certainly did, and um, it kind of leads to the to what we ultimately were talking about about getting back into the game, and it was really a Sane and Mascarell miscommunication that lead to that led to the Mainz goal, a brilliant goal. It was no one to blame. You can't blame Noble on that. I mean, no no goal, goalkeeper in the world is going to stop that. Um, so you know those two kind of misread each other, led to that goal. It's kind of out of nothing, really, and so I, you know, obviously that's the bad. I mean, both players had a decent game. Um, I kind of I want to question that, and I and I know that I know what the answer is going to be, um, but you know before the goal happened, you see Nastasic warming up on the sideline. You're like, okay, Nastasic is going to come in. I get it. You know, McKinney has a yellow ready. You need to get him off. Blah 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 blah. But then they go and score. Mine score. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, they score. You need to get a, an offensive player on the game. And then Wagner decided to keep with the Nastasic move. Yeah, Katucha came in a little bit later. Um, did you feel anything? Did you feel like you wanted to see an offensive player after the goal was scored, or you were you fine with that substitution that was made? Once again, and I, you, I think you and I talked about this earlier in the season because you a, a similar yeah. situation yeah. happened. I keep seeing this on Twitter, and, and people get very upset about it, and they're like, "Oh, why would he make a defensive substitution?" It's not a defensive substitution. It is a net it's a like it, for like. exactly. It is a net zero substitution because he's not adding a third center back. He's he's taking McKenney off for Nastasic, but Nastasic is playing center back and Stambouli is stepping into a midfield role. Now he played good in this one, but in midfield, but that's besides Yeah, I mean, so this is not, a, it's not like you're adding a defender when you need to be adding more pressure to the attack. It's just fresh legs. That's all it is. It, and it, right. was a, it was a substitution that was planned prior to that goal going in. It was. And, you know, I, he didn't want to avert immediately and totally change his game. I mean, like, once again, yeah, I don't have an issue with it because I, I don't think just because you bring a defender on, it's always a defensive substitution. I think it has to do with, you know, who you're taking off and how things get reshuffled. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> you can tell I'm frustrated by this. I, every time I see yeah. the chatter on, on Twitter, I'm like, did you not even pay attention to, like, how the lineup changed after that, though? So, um, yeah. Yeah, and then and then offensive substitutions. You know, Mark Wood had already come on prior to that. Um, yeah. Although you know, Serdar, I think is I'd rather see Serdar on the pitch than Mark Wood, honestly. Uh, and then, as you said, Katucha would come on as well. So you're not you're not adding anybody to the attack technically, but um, you at least getting some fresh I, legs on in, from in attacking positions. Right, and I knew exactly what was going on when when, when the sausages came in. I knew it was going to was going to happen because we said I saw it early in the season. I just wish you know Katucha would have came on earlier. I mean, obviously it all worked out, so I'm not, not that I'm not that angry about it. But just still, I was like, 
Uh, if it was me, maybe that's why I'm not a manager in the game. Is I would have probably switched my 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 substitution and put in maybe Katucha or another person in instead of uh, Nastasic. And but I understand why McKinney came off, so we'll move on from so that. Let's talk about this quick, real while we're talking yep. about the substitutions. Marku, did he do anything for you? Um, he he started off when he first came on. He had a good break, but then he didn't do anything with it. Um, he did have uh, a good setup, one good setup in the game, and had one good shot. Other than that. He hadn't done anything yet. So, I, like I said, I still need to go back and rewatch this when I haven't had time to do that. But, I mean, I don't remember seeing him do anything once he came on the pitch. And, like, Serdar was so much more involved in the play than it was. I mean, just – I want it to work out. I just – you know, when you give when you give Marku 30 minutes and you give Katuchu 9, when there's yeah. been such a massive gulf in terms of the impact that those guys make when they're on the pitch, it just it, it's very annoying after a while. It is, and Katuchu would have an impact on the goal that we, the game-winning goal. But we'll get to that. Um, not to the good. Let's get let's talk about the good. And the first good I'm going to give. I'm going to give props where, where props are due, and that's the Onisiwu goal. Um, that was a great goal by him. There's nothing. I mean, you had two shot defenders right on top of him. He just the beautiful one touch or the first touch, and then he shot that goal. The play that led up to the goal was bad, but I mean, the goal was beautiful. Yeah, the goal itself is great. Uh, Onisiwu gets the ball, sort of the top left part of the box. And uh, turns, you know, off his left shoulder towards goal, and hits uh, a curling effort to the far right top corner, um, and it was phenomenally executed shot. Uh, and, I mean, just the issue with it was that it, you can argue that he shouldn't have been able to get that off under the minimal pressure that yeah. there was. Um, I actually blame this one probably a little bit more on Weston McKinney than Stan Bully because Stan Bully is is the only player that's between. Onisi yes. in the goal, so he kind of has to stay home a little bit more. McKenney wasn't marking anybody. McKenney was kind of just drifting around in midfield, taking up a general position at the top of the box. But I mean, he wasn't there wasn't anyone in particular that he was supposed to be marking, and uh, he didn't try to put pressure on that guy as he was receiving the ball. And after he received it, he didn't even really decisively move toward him. Uh, he came in very late into the process, uh, just a little bit slow to recognize the danger, I think, which is kind of a recurring theme with him at times. Uh, usually when we see a defensive issue, it, it's it, – I'm not saying it's like a it's a lack of effort or something. It's, it's more just that I don't think he realizes how dangerous a particular situation is. And so he, he's – a little bit slow to jump on it and, and try to impact it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think more pressure should have been applied to Nisi. Well, bottom bottom line, but it, he still needs to pull that that shot off, and it was a phenomenal finish. So you got to give credit to him. Yeah, and I wonder. I wonder if some of uh, McKenney's hesitancy was that he already had to yell in the forty seventh, and he didn't want to play too rough and put his team down a man. Maybe I mean I don't know, but um, good goal nonetheless. So that that's definitely a good in the game. But that's for mine. So let's get let's get to Schalke. Um, I thought Schalke did a really good job of putting pressure up top against the the back line of Mainz. Uh, every time they got the ball, Schalke would pressure and cause turnovers throughout the game. This really led to the first goal of the game, and I mean I mean Harit. Uh, he ended up getting, a, a, I mean, a world-class pass to uh, Suat Serer, who had a perfect first touch and then and scores a goal, beautiful goal, beautiful play all the way around. Uh, but that pressure led to the freaking goal, and you'd like seeing that under Wagner. I mean, if you want to be able to press high up the pitch, I think uh, the combination of McKenney and Bergstahler is probably a good combination to be able to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that's smart team selection from that from that sense, that if that's what you're trying to uh, accomplish. Um yeah, the goal the goal was really nice, and once again, it's it's Harit being involved in it. He was involved in in in, in both goals in this one. Uh, excellent off the ball movement from Serdar as well. I have to say, so Serdar was kind of top of the box. Harit is off to the corner and starts kind of circling around the top, and Serdar makes this this very decisive run between two Mainz defenders towards the center of the box, and. Uh, I forget who the guy he ran behind was. I don't remember who that was, but I mean, I can't really blame the goal on him because he he can't see the run happening. But uh, Fernandez is uh, in complete view of both Harit and Serdar and should be able to see that Serdar is making this run. And I don't know if, if Harit was just mesmerizing him on the ball or what happened, but Serdar took off and, and Fernandez did not react to it at all. Like literally, I don't even know if he ever reacted to it. And so Harit sees it. Uh, makes a brilliant pass in, and uh, it, it causes one of the center backs to have to step up. I forget which one that was to try to stop it, but it, w- it was a little bit too late. And Serdar, to his credit, had a really, really classy finish. 
um, to put that away. So that was a beautiful play, and uh, was was kind of was that was what I was talking about earlier. Just missing that that final ball, looking for like the the very high percentage pass. Uh, I think you know and it, earlier in the match, Harit or whoever was in that position might have just fired that in from outside the box. But instead, Serdar makes a really good run, and Harit plays that final decisive ball in there, and we get a goal out of it. So um, excellent, you know, off-the-ball movement, a lot of rotations and everything happening in, in that play, and I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I think that goal would not have happened if, if Serdar, with his ridiculous first touch, didn't set up the goal. I mean, if he mis- misplays that pass just even a fraction, I don't think he's not going to get that shot off. But he does this is such a perfect you know, touch to put it right in line and then take a shot and score the goal. So a good goal all the way around. I mean, I, I just checked with the sources back in, in Gelson Kirchen, and, yep, Fernandez is still standing in the same place that he was for that goal. So um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, obviously, a, a big, a big good uh, in this one, a big, a big 10 was Harit's goal. Um, I, I alluded to the fact that Katucci was involved uh, kind of in this play as well. And what it was is he set up the – he drew the free kick um, just before this goal was scored. Uh, Caligiuri ended up kicking it in the box. It was clear to Kenny, John Joe Kenny, who uh, gave it to Harit. And Harit did, you know, did, does what he does. And it, a beautiful outside-the-foot curler. I mean, what a goal, Jack. You shared a couple of different angles on, on Twitter uh, that's a that's a world class goal there by uh, by I mean Harit with a game winner in the 89th minute. You need someone to stand up and be counted in the final minutes, make something happen, and, and you know take this game by the reins and get all three points. And, and Harit does it. Uh, gets the ball top right of the box, uh, puts his defender on skates, gets by him, cuts towards middle, and he's got so much traffic in the way. And unfortunately, it's Fernandez again. <laughs> <laughs> is trying to trying to step into it and block. it's not really his fault or anything, but like he tries to step in and block it. And Harit, yeah, hits this ball with the outside of his right foot and curls it around Fernandez, dipping back in towards the far post. And it, I mean, it's there's one there's one angle in particular, and it's the one that I post. I made the gif out of it and I posted it. So if you want to check it out, you can go see it at JM Mangan on Twitter. Um, it, it's this angle from kind of behind him and you can see how ridiculous you know the English he put on that ball yeah exactly Um, pretty unstoppable shot phenomenally executed and uh, Harit is just a man possessed at the moment I mean he has been oh my goodness and so good he's like I'm the man yeah (laughs) yeah no I mean and you can't you can't blame him I mean almost everything that we're doing well at the moment on the offensive end he's having a hand in whether he's scoring them or assisting them or um, you know, even some of the ones that don't end up in, in, in goals, he's making some fantastic passes. And he just, when he's playing at this level, he he truly is like one of the better players in the league um, yeah. on the offensive there's end. It's, it's, the, it's, there's a reason he was in the top 11 Europe, in Europe last week uh, with his performance. He's just that good at times, and he just takes over freaking games. Yeah, what, what, what website was that again? Whoscored.com. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean... <laughs> Some people don't like who scored.com, that's fair. But yeah, when they released their, uh, I think it was from the, the Europe's top five leagues, their, their top starting 11, Harit was, I think, the highest rated player in that after the Paderborn match and uh, very much continuing that form there. So as we said last week, I, I think we're both just very happy for him that he's been able to turn things around because last year did not go well for him and his career was kind of in free fall a little bit. He was having disciplinary issues, all these kind of things. And, and to see that, you know, he's been able to have a conversation with Vag, uh, David Wagner and they, they've clearly come to some sort of understanding and he's back on the right track and putting performances in like this. It's incredible. Um, I mean, you look at all of the goals that we have scored this season. Uh, I think, I think Katuchu is the only player that you could call a striker that has actually scored. Every other goal has come from uh, Kenny Sane, Harit, Sarah. I mean, it's come from predominantly midfielders, um, yeah. and that's that's awesome. I mean, if we can, I mean, Sarah chipped in at the end of last season a little bit and started scoring. And we're, I mean, I remember talking about it back then, like, hey, if you know, if he can add that to his game and, and affect the score sheet now, and then that's going to be huge. And now we have yep. Harit back doing the same thing. That takes a lot of pressure off of some of the guys up front, particularly Bergstar, which is a good thing because he obviously hasn't been able to convert a lot so far. <laughs> um, if we can get that kind of goal scoring production. Uh, impact on the score sheet from a lot of our midfield players that bodes very well for us going forward and that's a, that's a great thing to see and the one thing you know you were talking about how fernandez got abused again on that goal another player which was more head scratching was a guy who harit beat to get to Hernandez, and that was onisibu why is the striker 
trying to defend, you know, Schalke's best player at that point of the game. I mean, I get you're trying to help the defense out, but, you know, attacker trying to stop Harit, a defender can barely stop Harit, so why are you going to do that? So anyway, that's uh, not our problem because we, we got the goal, we got the win. Um, I want to talk about some other some players that I thought played well in this game. And um, start with Ochipka. Ochipka is getting stronger and stronger every game it sees. I don't know if Miranda's ever going to play a game now. Uh, Ochipka, another solid performance. And that link-up between him and Harit was very, very good all game long. They just could find each other, all, at least when they're on the same side together. Yeah, we, we've mentioned it on previous podcasts. I've been very impressed with Bastion Ochipka this season. I thought he's uh, been improved from last year and has been absolutely rock solid. Um, he's not a guy that... I think you're very rarely going to be wowed by, but he is when he's playing at his best. He just he does a job for you, and he's consistent. And he, he I mean he's he's where he's supposed Reliable. to be. And he, yeah, I mean he, he does a decent job on the defensive end, and he'll pop up now and again with a good ball from the offensive end. And um, yeah, I have no complaints with the way he's been playing so far. Miranda was on the bench for this one, and I would be surprised, particularly um, with what you talked about with his contract situation last se- uh, last episode, where he needs to play 20 games, otherwise Barcelona can recall him in the middle of that two-year loan. I, I think we will see some of him uh, in, this, in the season, and probably fairly soon, but I, I mean, I, I, as you said, I, I would be, it's not going to be because of anything Ochipka's done. It's probably just going to be a matter of rotation, fresh legs, keep people healthy, keep people fit, um, because Ochipka certainly does not need uh, deserve to be dropped at all based on how he's playing right now. I've been very pleased with him. No, one hundred percent. And uh, I, Ochipka, it's it's great to see it because after last year he had a little bit of a, a down season, but you know it's understandable with the injury that he had the year you know, in the summer before. Uh, so it's glad to see Ochipka back because you know if you got him in mean, a good left footed uh, crosser from that side of the pitch. Uh, the work he's going to do offensively and defensively, uh, it's it's very key. But I think you're right. I think at some point we're going to see Miranda just uh, here and there some spot performances because we don't want to run the man ragged and it's too early in the season to kind of wear him out. So give him some chance to be fresh throughout the season. Um, and, you know, we're going to go back to the other guy. I mean, Harit, uh, we obviously talked a lot about him already. Uh, there, was a, there was a play earlier in the game, another great pass. I mean, he all game long he was just playing ridiculously, both offensively, even backtracking. But... Uh, early on in the 13th minute, he made his great pass to Bergseller, who was offside on the play. But um, the fact that he found no. him. Uh, yeah, Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Bergseller offside? Are you kidding me? That's right, a new development. I, it is. It is. But the pass to, to him was uh, a ridiculous pass by Harit. Now, Harit, again, you know, just the vision he has this year, the confidence he has this year. Uh, he is just becoming a special player again to what we saw two years ago, and hopefully he surpasses that uh, potential this year. Yeah, very good pass from Harit. Uh, Bergstaller, one-on-one with the keeper, doesn't finish it, and it doesn't matter anyway because he was offside. And that's the uh, that's the Bergstaller special. So, But I'll tell you what. I, what I will say is he's had a couple opportunities in the past couple games where he has almost pulled off an absolute like stunner of a goal. He had one from, I think outside the box against Paderborn, maybe the match before that was a laser. Uh, yeah. That just missed the far post. And then this one, Ochipka was uh, running up the left-hand side and played this kind of chipped loft ball back towards the center of the box. And Bergstaller tried to tee that up for the volley, the overhead bike kick. And, uh, Almost pulled it off. It was a little bit. It was a little bit wide, but it was it was hit very very well. Made excellent oh, yeah. contact with it. No, so it I, I wouldn't be great. surprised. Despite his lack of scoring form, I would not be surprised if we do see you know a banger at some point from him this season because he's definitely going for him. <laughs> he certainly is. I think he really wants a goal. You could tell with our, even all these outlandish uh, opportunities he's trying. Um, Bergstaller was one of my good. Really, you know, Bergstaller's wing play in the game was a, a good for me. Also, that overhead kick. Obviously, he's trying to score, but uh, him going on the wings, both wings, I thought was very impressive. Uh, he was able to hold the ball up, cross it in, uh, continue the play, wouldn't wouldn't turn it over. So that was a good for me. It's not very often you get to see. Um, Bergstaller going on the wings and doing well, but he he did so in this game. I thought. Yeah, as I said earlier, I didn't. I don't think he played very poorly against Paderborn or in this one. Um, it, it's more just for me a case of the fact that he he stills yet to to make an if uh, to finally score a goal. And uh, there's only so much you can say about somebody in terms of the good things they're doing uh, as a striker, at least before it comes down to yeah. But strikers need to score goals. 
Um, and as I mentioned, we're getting bailed out a little bit because we're having some excellent goal scoring production from our midfield. But, uh, you know, if this continues from Burstall and he just can't seem to put it in a way, I'm going to going to keep calling for my man Katushi to get in the lineup or some some kind of change to happen. Uh, it's it, I think it's only a matter of time. Hashtag free uh, there you go. Another good player in the game. Uh, well, obviously, Swat Serdar, he scored the goal. But, you know, throughout the game, um, though he was playing a little selfish in the beginning, I thought he had a very good game. He was constantly in the mix, uh, in and around the box and making passes, hooking up with um, with um, Harit uh, throughout the game. So I thought him, the, the link of play between him, McKinney, and Harit uh, was very good in this game. And it's good to see, it's encouraging to see Serdar uh, popping his head up more and more and taking more opportunities to try and score goals. Listen, man, I mean, especially if you put Katucho in the lineup, we have a very good young core of uh, McKinney, yeah. Serdar, Harit, and Katucho. These are some young guys that could be here for quite a while if they continue to play at a high level and if they decide they want to stay at Schalke. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's promising. I thought Serdar played well. I'm, I'm glad that he's getting integrated back into the lineup, um, especially in the absence of somebody like Bentaleb. I think Serdar is kind of a no-brainer for me in terms of his skill set that he should be in there, uh, especially in this kind of system. Um. Yeah, I, I was pleased with uh, how uh, how much he he impacted the game because I think some of the criticism we've had of him in the past is that there, there's times where he just doesn't do enough because we know the kind of talent he has. He's yeah. definitely somebody that has the ability to 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 leave you know a footprint on the game, and I think the times we get frustrated with him are are more just when we feel like he didn't really do anything. And uh, even though I was you know criticizing some of his selfishness early on. I mean, the fact that he was in those positions in the first place, I think, bodes well and speaks to the activity that he had in this one and ultimately, uh, you know, gets his goal reward for it. And, yeah, it was very promising performance from him. Uh, well, another person, uh, I want to give a shout-out to the defense, uh, and in particular, Sasha Reeder. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Salif Sane, I thought Salif Sane had a pretty good game. He seemed to win every aerial ball in the game and on either end. Um, he looked good defensively other than that one mishap which led to the goal. Uh, but I thought he played much better uh, for the 90 minutes as opposed to even last game when they kind of like lost the guy and, and, and they scored. Um, I thought he was very good, very, very solid in the back. And I guess he was commanding that back line very well in this game. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have any issues with his performance. I thought he played pretty well. Um, had the goal against Paderborn as well, which was awesome. Uh, if you can add that to his game. So, I, yeah, I thought the entire back line played pretty well in this one um i mean the one goal that Mainz scored on us was i don't think that was really a fault of the back line at all um it was just a really well taken opportunity and a little bit lack of uh of pressure for maybe mckinney or some of the midfielders so um yeah i, I think the main i haven't been i mean here's the thing i, I think we all expected sonny to be a very good signing when he came in last summer um, and so when he, when he's playing well, I don't think anyone's surprised by it. I, I've just been surprised that Stan Bully continues to be first choice in the center yeah. back position. I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been. I just, I don't know. When you talk about, you know, playing a system that only has two center back places and you have Kabak, Sané, and Nastasic, you, you look at that and you're like, eh. Stan Bully is maybe the odd man out there. Maybe he plays in, in midfield, which is what I would like to see. I'd rather have him playing there than Mascarell in sort of that deep six. But um, Stan Bully's played really well for the most part. I, he's You certainly can't criticize Wagner's selection of him. He's he's, um, he's probably a, a very important figure just on the pitch to be kind of be maybe like an extra voice of the coach out there because he's an experienced and he's a leader on the pitch. So maybe that's part of the reason for it as well. But he certainly hasn't made any mistakes so far, and he's uh, he's done pretty well. Yeah, and you, you you know you mentioned Stambouli, and he did come into the midfield once that sausage move was made later in the game. Um, so you know that kind of brings to the point, like, what did you make of Mascarell's game? Because I obviously he was told to him, not obviously, but to me, I think he's a little bit you know a little quiet in this one. And you know we talked about this in the years past, where like you know when Max Meyer played in that role, you know he was quiet. That usually meant he was doing a good thing. Um, but you know a couple times in the game he had like he had two really good opportunities to try to score in the game and he kind of fluffed those shots but he's a defensive midfielder so you want to give him a i guess a pass on that uh, but you know just overall he just seemed very quiet or making nothing nothing too impressive with him but what'd you make of his gameplay yeah i mean i, I don't really di- one of these days you and i are gonna have to like disagree on the podcast i feel like we just kind of see things the same way pretty consistently we need to we need to start having more fights this is not franco de santo's the best player Shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, we, uh, 
We're not, we're not first takey enough, you know, on ESP. We need to have, you know, embrace debate. We need to get a little bit lively in here. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with, 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 you know, what he's been doing in this one and in some other games. So I, I, I mean, I talk, I mean, my, my ideal lineup is, and maybe he doesn't have the speed or the range to cover it, but my ideal lineup is Stambouli in the deep six with, you know, McKenny and Sarah also in the midfield and then Harit. And then I don't care what you do with Calajuri, but um, I'd rather have maybe Nastasic or Kabak alongside Sané and then have Stambouli in the midfield. That's that's my personal take. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea what Kabak brings to the table just yet. I, you know, we've seen him very little of him. He made one good play in the, in the friendly he did. But, um, yeah, I mean, if Kabak is who who we think he is, and yeah, I would like to see Mender or Nastasic. Uh, but you know, Stambouli uh, in a midfield role would be do good. I mean, when he came when he went into that role in this game, he did very well. And I mean, even offensively, he was getting into the play. So um, I would I would not be against uh, Stambouli in the sixth role. We've seen him you know a little bit last year as well, and we thought he did well in those opportunities as well. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a good shot there. Um, you know, defensively, uh, John Joe Kenny, I thought, again, had another good game. It wasn't his best game by far, but uh, I thought it was a good game overall. I mean, he was very lively uh, in the beginning, the first half of the game, and then as well, he was key with the assist there on the game-winning goal uh, to Harit at the end of the game. That's a pretty cheap assist to earn. He didn't really do a whole lot on that one as far hey. as, like, I mean, like, hey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if it counts, it counts. I mean, I think the, uh, the Harit assist to... Sarah was much more of an actual assist. Kenny just kind of laid it off, and Harit did the rest there. But uh, yeah, yeah, very, very pleased with Kenny. That has been the move of the summer for us. With I think without question. Well, since you mentioned that, we got a tweet from at Spin Seventy on Twitter, and his he had actually had a question about this. And he says, "How much would you spend to keep John Joe Kenny? His current market value is five point seven million dollars." How much would you pay to uh, to keep John Joe Kenny? <sighs> okay, so with with the caveat that it's very early in the season, and that there's still more that I want to see, you know, from him before we're in a position where we even have to make that decision. Um, if he was made available for somewhere around what Spin Seventy is saying his market value is at the moment, which I'd have to confirm, but if we're talking sub 10 million dollars for him i would absolutely buy him um he i mean you look you look at some of the money that we've spent on other people recently um whether it's mark Hood, whether it's benito raman whether it's uh sebastian rudy um we've spent significantly more um actually was it a free transfer i take that back uh, but I mean, so Benito Raman and, and Rudy, at least, was spending around fifteen million ish for those people. Yeah. Um, Kenny has played significantly better than either of them have. So if he was available for for less money, I, I think you'd absolutely do it. I think that would end up probably being um, better business than a lot of the things we've done already. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very early in the season, and it could just be you know you know. Is you know with a new team and again you know, once he gets found out what happens then well you know how when player when teams start adjusting in the, in the end of the season you know how does he do then but um, if you tell me right now that you know Everton says you give us five point seven million euros and and, we'll, and you can take him I said take it in a heartbeat but um, I want to see what he does throughout the season kind of like you said and if 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 this is if he becomes if he's consistent like this or and or even gets better the rest of the season you know I say go ahead pay twenty million for him I don't care. Uh, that he'd be worth it, but it, it's still too early to tell. I mean, we've seen a lot of players who've had hot starts before, and then they fade away like shooting stars. So um, it's still too early to tell. I mean, if if he becomes as consistent as he looks right now and he, it gets better, I said I have no problem paying twenty million euros at least for him. Um, but I would easily throw down, you know, six million euros right now just to keep him. If if, if that was a choice by Everton, which I doubt is, <laughs> which I doubt is what it is. I should look that up to see how much it is. Uh, yeah, just out of curiosity. He's been one of our best performers early into the season. He's only 22 years of age, um, so we, I mean, he's a young guy as well. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think if you get him for a reasonable price, I'd absolutely pull the trigger on that. There is a comment of someone who is, uh, has a little more confidence in Kenny than we do. Uh, it's on, on Twitter, he's, hey, man. Anyway, his, his comment was, just, <laughs> Wait, that was his just handle? sign him, please. It is A-Y-M-A-A-A-A-N. 
<laughs> anyway, he, his comment was, just sign him, please. And I, and I, and I, I kind of agree with him there. I mean, it depends on how much the cost is. But uh, Kenny's been nothing but good for us so far. And uh, hopefully it continue on uh, as the season goes, continues. If, I'm still trying to recover from that person's Twitter handle. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree, man. I'm 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 all in. Uh, and then the, the last really thing I want to talk about as being good is uh, you know Shaka's passing overall. I mean, despite the you know 20 minutes in the second half, I thought in the first half especially the, the team passing is very good, very quick. Um, especially the link-up play that we saw, whether it's you know Hari uh, with anybody really, but you know Achepko or, or the or the other two midfielders we talked about before or, or whomever, but. Um, I thought the passing with this team is getting a lot better, and it's it's much quicker and faster, not as uh, methodical, I guess you could say, as under Tedesco and um, uh, and and last year. So, uh, would you, what you have you been seeing that the passing's got a lot, like a lot better or just a little better in your opinion? Well, I was very concerned about it early in the season, based on how it looked against uh, Gladbach, which was incredibly yeah. sloppy. Um, but yeah, but it's it's definitely much more crisp, faster paced. I think there's a lot of good movement happening um, off the ball in particular. People rotating to try to get into good positions, make themselves available to be an outlet for their teammates. Uh, yeah, it's it's much improved. And if, if if Wagner's had an impact on that, that's 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 awesome because we're definitely. Um, we're playing with a purpose and with a little bit of a game plan in the final third, and we look much more dangerous than we had uh, last season, um, despite, once again, a lack of goal-scoring production from the striker position. So to still have that kind of situation going on and look better offensively, I think, is a is a massive win. Um, I think that will be tested a little bit as we start playing better teams because not to be you know, Debbie Downer, but uh, the three results that we've gotten in a row have come against teams that after uh, match day five here are, uh, I think, currently sitting, what is it, like 15th, 17th, and 18th? Hertha, Mainz, Paderborn, respectively. Um, so this is not the highest caliber of competition, at least based on what the table was saying early into the season. So uh, we'll see how that attack holds up. But for the, for the time being, I, I agree with you, and I'm, I'm very pleased with what we're seeing. With uh... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I would say in the past, we, we know it from Schalke that we usually play to play up to our opponents and play down to our opponents. And you're supposed to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, right? The teams that, the, that are below you or are inferior to you, quote-unquote, um, we, you know, we said with these, at least with these last two games, you know, we said we wanted to see at least four points or be a disappointment. Uh, we got six points, so that's that's a good thing. But you were talking about how how would we fare against better opponents? We're gonna have a very good uh, opportunity to see that this upcoming weekend. We have uh, we play RB Leipzig um, at their home. Uh, they've been they're probably a real serious contender for for the for the Bundesliga crown this season. They're sitting in first place at the moment. Um, you know they had a four nothing win against Union Berlin. They beat Eintracht Frankfurt two one. They beat Gladbach three one. They tied Munich one one, which is a big game. Um, they won the Champions League game recently, and then they, this weekend they beat Bremen three uh, nothing. This is going to be a serious test for Schalke to see a um, how they do on the road and, and and are they as good as they've looked in the last couple of weeks. Um, I will say this: confidence is a uh, confidence is, is something, man. If, if this is what they have right now, is confidence. All the players, especially Harit, that can go a long way when you play teams uh, that are better than you. But it'll be very curious to see how they line up against Julian Nagelsmann's team, um, who have been playing very, very well this season. What, what's your take on this Leipzig match coming up? Well, you got to keep in mind that we have VAR now, so the, the the likelihood that Timo Werner is able to flop inside a minute and a half of the game <laughs> starting and draw a penalty. Yes, I'm still talking about that multiple seasons later. And I he doesn't predict. play for Munich, so we know we know it's going to be in their favor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a test. It, it really is. Uh, as you said, Leipzig in excellent form. Drew Bayern uh, won their Champions League opener against Benfica. Uh, just three nil Werder Bremen, which I mean, it was an injury depleted Werder Bremen, but I think even uh, an injury depleted Werder Bremen lineup is still a decent lineup. Um, they have been phenomenal: four wins, one loss, um, thirteen. I think thirteen goals scored, if I'm not mistaken, through the opening five 
yeah, five matches and and uh, yeah, three against. So one of the better defensive records, if not the best defensive record as well. So they are uh, they're, they're they're doing it on both ends of the pitch right now. Um, I mean, Yuli Nagelsmann, not really much you can say about him that hasn't been said already, but certainly one of the brightest young uh, managers, not just in Germany but in in all of the European game. Um, getting a lot out of this squad right now and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be tough uh gonna have to bring our absolute a game to to get something out of this one but uh i mean if there was ever a, a time to face them it would probably be on the backs of of three three wins in a row so i mean you, you would figure the confidence in the squad has been is pretty high harit's in good form uh and, and maybe david Wagner can cook up a game plan to uh disrupt them a little bit maybe we'll see what happens Maybe see some more Katuchu in this one as opposed to nine minutes, but uh, we'll see. Um, it should be an interesting one. It'll be a tasty one. It will not be a Friday night encounter. Um, it will be on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is that right? The 28th? Whatever the 28th is. So um, it I should have be a. To check. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. A Saturday. So I'm not going to make a prediction on this game. I, it's going to be. I'm going to be just very curious to see how. Um, how Schalke play against a upper echelon team. We saw what they did against Bayern, and hopefully they can improve on their performance against a team uh, like Leipzig. So uh, let's see what they're going to do. Do you have any predictions this game, or are you, you going to ride like me and make no no predictions? I am going to predict a 2-1 loss to Leipzig. Oh, Debbie Downer. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, you know... We were temporarily in second place uh, after our win on Friday, but obviously the rest of the games played out this uh, weekend. Uh, we currently sit in, surprisingly, fifth place. Uh, we have 10 points after five games. We are tied with uh, the team from the te- the yellow team that are our rivals, uh, Freiburg, Gladbach, and Leverkusen. So uh, we sit just one point behind Bayern, who are in second, and Leipzig, who are three points ahead of us. They sit in top top of the top of the pinnacle with 13 points. So. Um, hey, good good start to season so far, I would say. Yeah, three through seven, all with three wins, one draw, one loss. So uh, very tight at the top of the table. Um, shout out to Freiburg for the excellent start that they've had. I know there's a lot of fans of Christian yeah. Strike out there. Um, they are probably the, the the surprise club to be in in the European places at the moment. Um, I mean, maybe some people wouldn't have expected Schalke to be this high early. I certainly. I was going to ask you. Um, yeah, I mean, me. Yeah, I had this like tenth preseason, right? So I had, I think, Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, and Gladbach finishing ahead of us. Probably Bremen as well, maybe. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bit surprised with that. Once again, getting those results against some easy teams. So we'll have some some more difficult tests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. But absolutely thrilled to be in the European places through five matches. I mean, this this time last year, Richard, we had lost every single game. Yeah, I know. I mean, we, I we started off on. I mean, we started off on five. So I mean, this is you know a complete one eighty. Um, and I think it's about as as good as you could have hoped for through those first five matches. If you had kind of picked, you know, like a not like a you know best case scenario, but you know a realistic positive scenario, we'll see if that even makes sense. I think this you're probably looking at what we've done already. Uh, so yeah, very pleased with how that's going, and hopefully we can uh, keep it up. Season's young, but it's a promising start. Yeah, hopefully we can get a shock, uh, sh- a shock result this weekend. But we'll see. Um, before we wrap this one up, uh, I want to give a shout out to the Kick It Three v Three tournament that Shaka hosts. Uh, they've had they've hosted tournaments before in St. Louis, Atlanta, and um, and Vail, Colorado. This one is going to be in Durango, Colorado, uh, coming up on the October twentieth. Uh, so if you're in that area or the vicinity, you know, get your kids out there. It's a great little uh, opportunity to. Uh, to meet the uh, Kanap and Shmita, uh, kids, uh, youth team coaches, and uh, it's a great experience for them to get. So definitely do that as well. And if uh, and if you haven't got your Schalke gear yet, make sure you go to the team store. Uh, you get 10% off if you use the discount code Schalke, uh, which is good until the end of this month, uh, no, September 30th. And then last but not least, uh, you know, I just want to give a shout-out to Kanap and Shmita International. They're uh, great youth. You know, obviously – Kanap and Shmita is, is, our, is our youth academy, um, but they, you know they're, they're going around the world just trying to find young players and and 
you know, they're going around, especially in the U.S., and finding players and let them give them the opportunity to go to Germany and train with the, with the youth academy, which is a great experience, you know, especially us as Americans. We love seeing this. You know, obviously, we got Weston McKinney, and there's plenty of Americans at, over there uh, in Gelsenkirchen. So uh, it's just great for to see the youth uh, developing here in the U.S. and then going over to Germany with a team that we like, we love so much. Absolutely. Our youth development, I think, is uh – one of the hallmarks of the club, something that I think a lot of the fans take a lot of pride in, um, and certainly one of the keys to our success over the years. So we love seeing all the events that are related to that that are going on. And since you mentioned events last year, we did go to several uh, supporters clubs or uh, viewing parties throughout the U.S., and they're going to have you some more coming up this year. So uh, stay tuned for that. As we hear about them, we'll let you guys know. Uh, but as always, Will you know, Richard sure and I you... finally meet in person at a watch party. Oh, that'll be the yeah, the ongoing the saga. Don't even watch the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, Richard and I have still never actually interacted person to person. You went to the one in Pittsburgh last year, correct? Is that correct? And, and I went Columbus. to the one. I went to the one in Columbus. You, were there two in Columbus? Yeah, you went to the first one. I went to the second one. There you go. So we, we both of us were going to these just at different times. Apparently, we couldn't coordinate, find a weekend that worked for for both of us. But um, those are always a good time. So we'll obviously shout those out on the podcast when those come up. But if it's happening in a city near you, definitely make sure you go and attend. And uh, it's great to get together with some other Schalke supporters and and with some representatives of the club. And uh, always always an ideal way to uh, enjoy a, a Schalke match. And hopefully we're going to have some more watch parties that coincide with, with victories because we're looking like we're playing a little bit better than we did last season. 100%. And if you uh, go to these viewing parties or if you're just watching the Schalke game in general, make sure you use the hashtag Schalke US and hashtag SO4podcast. Um, Jack and I are true millennials where we don't like to do the face-to-face interaction. We just do everything through social media. You know, we don't <laughs> want to talk to each other or anything like that. So not in person, at least. So uh, on that note, uh, I think thank you for keeping, uh, thank you for tuning in each week. We will bring you the latest with Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke and Fox Soccer for providing us tidbits on our podcast today. If there are any topics uh, you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at Schalke America. We want to give a special shout-out to our very, very good friends at NBC4 Nashville. Thank you for all your support. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, yeah, if you want to go check out the gif of that Harit goal, I'm sure you've seen the replay a billion times by now. But um, that one got a lot of interaction. I think there was close to about 150 people that liked that. And when you see the angle of the... Uh, the goal it's not difficult to see why an absolutely phenomenal strike from harit in a pivotal moment of the match but yeah that's where you could find me on uh twitter and i am of course the more important follow than richard so make sure you follow me boom drop it like it's hot once again i'm your host richard carman and you can find me on twitter as well at r underscore k-h-a-r-m-a-n until the next pod comes my friends stay ready and we'll be with you soon shoos